So really excited. We're back for another episode of Ad Creative from Pencil. It's episode 42. I'm here with Daniel Solikoff. He is the co-founder and CEO of Incense. And I'm not even going to say what Incense does. I'm let you talk about it. But yeah. really excited for you to be here and just chat with you about your business, what you guys do. And I don't know, maybe we'll solve some problems. How you doing, man? Doing great. And thanks so much for inviting me. I was really happy that we finally met IRL in LA a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was great. It's like Twitter world, D2C Twitter is, is such a small thing. But then at the same time, when I'm meeting friends, I will, yeah. I'll put like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, In IRL, that's changing like everything. Yeah, it is. 100%. It's, there's nothing. I think I got jaded to it, to be completely honest with you, during COVID. Yeah, you don't need the IRL. Just in the last like, six, yeah. seven months, I've been spending time with people. and you realize just how much kind of being able to see someone in person and interact with them. Yes. So shout out to the Godfather, Nick Shackelford for making those things happen. It's God great to be you. able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Before we jump into all the good stuff, what does Incense do? Incense helps e-commerce marketers to scale paid social with UGC creatives and influencer collaborations. So we acting as the creator marketplace, connecting both e-commerce markets with the UGC creators on our platform. And then the Vibe is basically the same as the Upwork. So if you have ever worked on Upwork or Fiverr or other freelancer marketplaces, so that's kind of the experience that you can expect on our platform. But at the same time, it's super niche and it's tailored for needs of e-commerce marketers as well as influencers. So I think there's probably like a new, a non-nuanced answer that I could say, oh, I, I know why you did this specifically. Why did you build this? What was the impetus to do it? Because I, and maybe this is me being too deep in this space, but you think, oh, this stuff is saturated, right? Like it's, there's so much, there's so many platforms, this, that. What did you see? Because my experience generally has been I don't want to say negative, but it hasn't been overly positive dealing with platforms, putting together influencer campaigns, et cetera. And so I'm curious, maybe that's the need you saw that everyone sucked and there needed to be actually a good provider. I'm curious just kind of what actually was the impetus to start Incense in general? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, we started Incense almost seven years ago. So it's been quite some time, right? Before so many other players pop up in the recent years. And actually, the idea of building incense came up to the mind of my brother, who is a co-founder of incense. He ran a, a couple of e-commerce shops, so he were in your shoes, probably trying to understand and getting the new customers via paid social, organically, different channels. And then he successfully exited both ventures, started his own small e-commerce agency, helping other entrepreneurs. And back in the days, he realized that UGC content and the influencer collapse are going to be dominating in paid social. That was his belief, right? And for that, he was starting building a Google spreadsheet and using messengers like Instagram DMs or WhatsApp to reach out to these photographers, videographers, micro-influencers, UGC creators. <laughs> Back in this, no UGC creators, just creators, right? And then, and then he realized that it's not scalable. So when he had 10 clients and 100 creators, it was fine. But when it started scaling, then it became the whole mess. And he was yeah. trying to find any software that will help him to solve the, I don't know, payouts to creators, 
uh, how to provide the copyrights for the content for the end user. All these minor questions, and he couldn't because there were some influencer marketing platforms out there and he didn't mm-hmm. want to build an influencer marketing platform. And that's, I think, one of the yeah. biggest differentiators between us and so many other players there. We were always building a marketplace with the vision that how to help media buyers to get higher performance in ads with UGC creators, with influencer whitelisted ads, with something like that, right? So how to make sure that organic posting, traditional influencer marketing, can be converted in paid, but not staying only organic posting that's done. So that's why I think that's the biggest differentiator between us as it was and as it right now, that in our vision, we were always focusing on business results, which is conversions, traffic, all of this stuff. And uh, yeah, yes. that was the reason why we are building Incense at the beginning and still been building that. That's an interesting one. I find that this happens quite a bit, whether it's, a, it's an e-commerce company or a SaaS company, there comes out of this, it's always just a, it's like a pain, right? Especially software specifically, where you say, oh, there's an opportunity in this market. Let's just see what this is, but no one's built it. So we should try to fill that gap. What I really love is we didn't want to, we just yeah. had to. And yeah. like you said, that angle of we're trying to have it like with a very special thought process around marketplace, et cetera, to make it so that it's better for the brands. I think this is like the brand first approach. People say they do it a lot, but they don't actually do it a lot. And so I think it's really refreshing to look at that. I guess you've been building it for five years. And I think anyone who goes to build something at the beginning, there's a certain amount of naivete you need plus ego. And I can do this, but also I don't know all the unknown unknowns that might actually stop me today. And obviously as an entrepreneur, you have to be incredibly enthusiastic and optimistic about the state of the world. But I guess what was different than you expected from kind of those first iterations? And like you said, you've been building to be able to have the market share you have today. It's taken five years of building and iterating. What's different from what you had expected from being an entrepreneur and building something like this? Uh, it's a great question. And a lot of re- reflection I had during New Year's time when I was reflecting why I'm still building that WhatsApp, because uh, it's always ups and downs. And when I was reflecting on that, first of all, being an entrepreneur, it's something that it's, you cannot teach that. It's something either you have it or not. And that's done. And it's not good and bad again. It's uh, this world, it's not only based on the entrepreneurs. No, we need operators. We need people who are uh, moving things down the road. But at the same time, I think being an entrepreneur and staying an entrepreneur. So it's one of the best learning experience for me. And I'm discovering a lot in people management, in product, product development and all this stuff. So I would say what I wasn't expected is that it's a simple thing right to build a marketplace whereas there is a demand and need in the working with the influencers and there is a supply and providers who can provide this it's a simple thing right to pro- to connect the two sides uh, between each other how i was wrong building a marketplace it's it's really a difficult business model and it's a really difficult product because basically you're building two products under the roof of one yeah. <laughs> two different customers, 
two different acquisition yeah. channels. The way yeah. how we're approaching people, because for instance, our creators, we love them, but at the same time, they are creative people and not all of them, they actually thinking of themselves as the entrepreneurs. So yeah. meaning that you need to approach them almost in B2C way. They're more driving the campaigns to get them onboarded and all of stuff and developing the product. And then we're working with marketers who are clearly B2B. So our language is different for two sides. The number of use cases that we never thought, but here you go, right? Product city. Yeah. So how to make it scalable? It's yeah. a way different approach, the way different things. Can you deliver? Yes, you can, but we're still improving this use case. I think one of the biggest things that I didn't expect that marketplaces are tough to build. At the beginning, it's, you, you won't have a lot of growth, to be honest, or you're just lucky, right? But at the beginning, it's going to be almost like zero growth. And you don't understand, like, why do you need to spend your time? But then at the same time, marketplaces has network effects. And once you find this supply-demand liquidity, supply-demand balance, once everything's starting growing, then marketplaces, you couldn't stop marketplaces. <laughs> They're going to be continuing growing. And we'll, we get there, but it took us three years to figure out. Yeah. Chicken and egg problem. Yeah. So interesting marketplace. Like we don't talk about that much here, but I come from marketplace. Uh, one of my one of my last job, a couple of jobs ago, was was doing that, and it really is like you have supply side, demand side, and you always have to pick which one do you feed first, and you got to feed both at the same time. Once you get this is the next question we're gonna have, but I think yeah, it's always no one really understands how hard this business is until they're in it. And then they realize that they're doing two businesses at once. The thing you called out though, and this is maybe my second, going to be a secondary question as well. I'll just go to those questions. So we talked about supply side, demand side. So obviously using e-commerce as an example, you're always essentially trying to pump demand side, right? Because based on the systems, whatever, excuse me, you're trying to get demand to take on your supply. So you're always trying to get the demand yeah. going. So we have these demand gen engines, Facebook, Google, et cetera. So you, you have operator, amazing operators pumping that, figuring out the creative, et cetera, to go after. So it's not really a question of supply side. And frankly, how many existential problems did businesses have when they had to deal with supply side because of all the supply chain issues? Yeah. And for you, it's this is stock and trade. I deal with this every single moment of my day. If you had to choose and I said, hey, we're starting a marketplace business today, which one should we focus on? Is it a nuanced, it depends on your market? Or is it a, hey, I completely believe 100% that you should focus on one side of the business first? How do you look at that? 100%, and it's not my opinion, but legends in building marketplaces, you should start with one of the side of the marketplace. Yeah. It's almost impossible, even though you're raised, I don't know, hundreds of millions, that yeah. you're going to be right away focusing on both because in that case, you're going to be building Frankenstein. It's not going to be a something solid business. Like starting points should be somewhere. So 100%. But where supply or demand, even legends in marketplaces yeah. could be wrong because yeah. that's the path that you need to take there. And it's a 100% discovery, discovery path that you need to chat with the different things. You need to think about business yeah. model. You need to adjust. And for some of the marketplaces, the answer will be supply because yeah. without supply, 
you can find demand. But for the other yeah. verticals or categories, 100% demand. So it's uh, there is no yeah. right answer well, for that. But yeah, 100%, you need to focus on one side at the beginning just to build the basement and then yeah. go to another side. So what was your... What was your, did you say over the first three years, we're really building this. So we couldn't, we're trying to just figure it out. What did you unlock? Is it supply side needed to be set up first or demand side needed to be set up first? Because the demand would then dictate that supply would flock to being available. What was your guys' findings there? So at the beginning, we we thought that we should focus on supply because we need to provide some talent to show like, what talent do you have? That was the yeah. question. But then we also realized in our specifically in our specific segment of the business, in our niche, there are so many talent that could be divided as breakdown in so different angles, meaning that verticals that they're ready to work with, categories, what kind of the content they're able to produce, yeah. then audience params, then where they are located, what they, language they speak. Yeah. So many different params. So it's you need yeah. to build a supply that it's almost impossible to build, right? Supply basement. So that's why we realized that we need to tackle the demand first. So for every single new customer at the beginning, we made manual outreach and bring the right creators for specific campaigns. That's how we're starting shaping our mm. supply like brick by yeah. brick, like literally. So just to making sure that yeah. we finally get at the some scale that we can open up our marketplace and then you can find the right talent for you. Yeah. And it's not going to be just one person based in Canada, a woman 30 plus years old for beauty, right? No one want to expect to see one person in the, in this category, right? Everyone yeah. expect to see at yeah. least a hundred to select. But yeah, demand. That was the answer for us. It's, inter it's, in it's interesting because thinking about that, like just backtracking on it, you could have built supply side, but you still have no demand. But by building demand side, you're still building the supply by, like you said, brick by brick, essentially going and sourcing those yep. people. And then they're in the backlog and you can use them for any other campaigns you have going forward. But essentially every brand, new brand that comes in says, hey, we have this specific brief. Go find the 10 people, five people that we can talk to that are valuable. And maybe two are in the cross section. But every time you do it, it's like you get a net new three creators per kind of brief. So you have a hundred briefs, three net new creators. Now you have 300 creators and so on and so forth. So that's a real, yeah, that's, that's the right way to go about it. Yeah. And I'll just add here, let's say three years ago, 20% of all creators that we needed, we already have them in our database and 80% is mm -hmm. continual outreach. So right now the distribution is nine, nine to 10. So 90% of creators, we already have them and 10% mm. we are continually doing outreach. Yeah. based on the niche requests or yeah. like whatever and continue building that. And another magic that is happening with our marketplace, there is a network effect that is happening where mm. our clients, e-commerce brands, they kick off the first campaign, found the mm. great talent, satisfied with the work, and then they're coming to us and saying, hey guys, we have our own roster of influencers or ambassadors mm. or UGC creators that we want to manage via platform. Can we bring them? Yes, you can. And then we're getting... Super solid talent because yeah. if we are working with e-commerce brands like Obvi, yeah, you can trust these folks. You can trust that, that oh, they, they they work they've already done hard work. Exactly. They're yeah. going to work with a solid talent. Yeah. So there is no need to moderate them because we trust them. And yeah. there are so many great brands that we are working with. And if they bring their own talent roster to our marketplace, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please do. 
It's an interesting one too, because you're essentially saying to the creator, hey, look, you've been brought in by this team. We're just going to make you more money without you having to really do anything except deliver on itself. So I have a couple questions on technology specifically here. One, when you have things like Billow and Gander and Trend, right? These are the down market solutions. How do you think about them? Is it, hey, look, every brand needs some help. And based on our pricing, maybe not every brand can afford to work with Incense. So we're happy for them to eventually graduate to us from those. Or do you look at them and say, these guys, what are these guys doing? They're not, help, they're not actually helping. Yeah. I think for every service, there is some certain level of customers. Yeah. And you can say about some of the products, yeah, they are more mass market, some of the products more premium, premier, some of premium, some of the products are, have more everything at once, mm-hmm. rather than some of the products are about a specific niche, right? Yeah. When I was saying below, so some of the customers, potential customers, they're saying like, okay, who's your direct competitor? Below? The main yeah. competitor. No, yeah. it's not Bila. Yeah. And the reason why, because Bila is one thought of what you can do at Incense. Yeah, Meaning yeah. That, can you do influencer marketing campaigns at Bila, influencer whitelisted ads? No way, because they don't have influencers. That's not the yeah. part of the strategy. Yeah. And also at the same time, I think Bila is a good solution where you're just starting the brand and you don't want to commit for the any subscriptions like yeah. Incense. And moreover, sometimes when we have these calls with uh, potential customers and they're saying, hey guys, we're just starting the campaign. We haven't done any paid media yet. Yeah. We're trying to figure out. We understand, okay, it's a churn customer for us already. Yeah. And the reason why, because we're not Silver Bullet. We are solution for scaling. What It's already working. What's, what are different yeah. angles you want to test out and things like that? And then we're saying, hey guys, like, how about you go to Bilo? Because there is no subscription. Pay for the creatives. Take a look. Test different hypothesis. Coming, coming, uh, coming back to us to, for scaling. That's the way how we are approaching the things. So we more like a one-stop shop approach in a way. Yeah. We're not that premium as some of our other competitors who are more focusing on upmarket or even enterprise. Yeah. But we're not cheap as well. And But with this price, you will get really solid support from our team. Yeah. About the GoGender, so I think it's a, just a different solution. I recently saw... One of the research LinkedIn posts yeah. from one of the VC. I don't want to bring them name, otherwise they will be disappointing. I yeah. still didn't answer them, but yeah. I was disappointing of the level of the work that they have done. Yeah, because they were saying, okay, we analyzed the UGC and and creators, and right now we are understanding who is going to be the winner, defi- category defining leaders. But they yeah. actually put on the same map. Companies like Yotpo, companies like Bilo, companies like Gander, companies, is it all about UGC? Yes. Can you compare that and put it in one place and really compare and understanding who's going to be winning? No, no. Because it's so different. It's almost like saying yeah. that who's going to be w- winning in the market, ma- marketing, like marketing yeah. solutions in general. Yeah. So is it Facebook, Facebook ads, Google ads, email, or yeah. SMS? So completely different. How it's a different, different thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, different I was thing. surprised. I was so disappointing. Yeah. It yeah. also shows me that it's really hard for us to pitch to VCs sometimes because they yeah. are not marketers. They have no idea. Yeah. They're seeing UGC. Okay, let's put all UGC in one bucket yeah. and then compare that. 
Yeah, I, I, mean, I think this is interesting, like going down this path. So I had a few follow-ups there, but I think this is a really interesting thread to pull. Shaq wrote the that tweet like UGC is dead and then a bunch of other people yes. wrote UGC is dead. And it's a funny one because I don't know if anyone really believes that. I think the idea is what it was has been saturated and now we have to go to the next level of what we can do. And I guess that comes back down to education, right? Here are the different things that you can do. Similar, by the way, VCs just follow trends. They're not making trends. They don't see trends. They're just trying to, it's a roulette table, right? And they're just trying to place the best right. bets on what they've known are the usual numbers, if you will, or maybe they're yeah. counting cards. There's maybe a better way. You're not always going to win, but you'll have a higher chance of winning based on the knowledge that you have in the math. How do you educate? Because I have this hypothesis that we're in this late stage of original UGC or just CGC, whatever you want to call it, yep. non-branded Gen, non-brand generated content, I guess is the best way to say it. And I don't think anyone really understands what that means because no one has actually pivoted away directly from the style. It's like a very significant style, kind of bell curve, right? The Simon Sinek, there's the early adopters, then there's the next level of innovation, then there's late stage innovation, then there's all the, the people who didn't want to adopt and they're doing it now. And we're on the other side of this crest. How do you look how do you look at this right now? How do we have to educate people on why UGC is never going to go away? Because it won't. And what do you think the next stage of it is? Yeah, I think UGC is definitely not that. And I think Shaq being our friend and an investor, so he is pushing some ideas to to open the conversations and he did it again and again. So he's a master of Twitter, right? In, in that things. But what the idea he was trying to put there, and I would agree, so there are so many UGC out there and so many of these UGC are not performing well. And the reason is simple because some of the terminology of UGC is user-generated content, meaning that you need to try this, this, the product and being authentic in front of the camera. Why, what's going on with this product? Why you like that? When it's fully scripted, maybe from the scientific way, uh, of the creatives it's it's a right way <laughs> but uh, in reality uh, you cannot relate to this content at all because you don't trust it's almost the same as the tv commercial to be honest i hate tv commercial i, ca I cannot watch them like yeah. just i can't <laughs> because i i'm not relating to that but i expect from tv to feed me with such content mm. that i don't expect from my social feed to get the content that I don't, I cannot relate and all this stuff. So that's why mm -hmm. I think right now UGC is not that, but it's definitely is evolving in a mm -hmm. way how to make how to make sure from one hand it's going to be authentic, from mm -hmm. another hand it's not going to be just a random dude who tried the product for a couple of days, yeah. days then just sharing emotions. And yes, you can relate, but you clearly don't understand why you should try the product. So I think it should be the ba the balance and just a meet in the middle where the hooks and CTA should be well scripted and provided as the guidance to the creator, though the body and the expressions and the emotions yeah. should stay really authentic and should be really nice. And uh, sometimes with the, some noise, sometimes with some music on background, but something that you can relate on that. And yeah. I absolutely agree with you that UGC will never go away. And the reason is simple. Why UGC became such a big thing in 2020. The answer is simple. It's six, six letters. TikTok. Yeah. 
Not only because TikTok, UGC became, became such a massive trend and yeah. because other platforms, they introduced new formats like Reels, yeah. copy paste of TikTok, Spotlight, yeah. copy paste of TikTok, the shorts and all this stuff. Yeah. So right now, all of these companies, they pushing more and more towards this, this format yeah. and, uh, and they know that creator content and UGC in general. So it's the ones that is performing well. So that's why we're going to be stay with these formats for quite some time. Let's put yeah. it like five, 10 years and then I'll see. But yeah. then you would expect that during this content, like what else are you going to show them? Not everything is perfectly works, right? Yeah. I'm not saying about all Facebook. So for all Facebook ads, you cannot say that because static images, great performance. You should go for yeah. that. But oh. reels, you cannot do like static, static images or yeah. you, you cannot like put there like DPA, for instance, Yeah. because it's not going to be authentic, but can you combine DPA with other formats and then, and driving the conversion a hundred percent, you should go for that. Yeah. So it's all about combination of different things. And that you just see is definitely evolving in the way of still being scripted for the hooks and CTA, but yeah. body should be staying really authentic. That's our way. And that's how we educate yeah. our customers. So interesting you, you bring that up. I think the thing I'm giving a talk in a couple of weeks and essentially the hook of it is creative is a moat for your business. Even ad creative yep. is a moat for your business. Yep. But the idea yep. is everyone talks about channel diversification. Let's make sure that we have all the channels that we need to be using. But within those channels, creative diversification within, so I call it the creative stack, right? You need to have different styles of creative. So you need to have, like you're saying, UGC, CGC, brand generated kind of content, all of those, AG, <laughs> like all, all of these things, right? And then right. you also need static images like you're talking about. You need that highly produced brand stuff. You need all of these yeah. things because really the idea is how can you widen the net to go from the standard ICP of people who are already warm to all of the adjacent markets. And this is really yep. through, there's no other lever anymore. Facebook has taken all of the things that you used to put that you could tinker in the engine and said, it's all gone. It's all automated. We're better than you. And they are. And so the idea is what we have left. And so this is remedial for a lot of people talking about this, but I think it's really important to keep drilling down on creative diversification through things like all the GCs that we've been talking about are incredibly important. One thing though, I'm really interested in is obviously I've been in AI for a few years. I always joke, I'm one of the AI OGs. So I'm not, I'm jaded on all this stuff. People are like, oh, this is happening. I'm like, dude, I've, we've been playing around with that. I've been playing around uh, for yeah, a year and a half. hundred uh, percent. And so OG. I'm thinking about a lot, like how does this start flowing into businesses like Incense? And one thing I was thinking about, I wrote a newsletter about it today that I thought is an interesting experiment. I don't know, but it's just something I think people should try is there's something called a synesthesia or synthesia. I think it's synthesia where it's these avatars where I say, I come in and I say, I love incense. What an incredible platform. And then you go choose the avatar and they'll say it and it's human-like. But what you can say is you put, say, put that in the frame and you say, this is not a human, but this quote is human, right? And it's, oh, dang, that's really interesting because it's going to, the movement is not directly human. So I, again, this is just an experiment, but I'm actually going to post it and just see if anyone actually takes me up on it. I might just do it myself, yeah. but I'm curious on your end, how do you think, because there's the operational automation and then there's the executional automation that goes into an AI that goes into systems. So like, 
you could put in a lot of operational stuff that will help your team move quicker and the systems be better and your customers get more value just by everything being more efficient. But on the executional side, do you think AI ever like starts becoming a decently large part of delivering any of the GCs that we've talked about? There are a lot of speculations right now. Yeah. And I don't believe that everyone is going to be right. It's yeah. going to be something that we don't know and cannot predict that. The way how I see that for us, can AI help us for the operation, like create a briefing, right? You're putting yeah. some of the items and then generate the content. We're experimenting with that right now. It's fascinating results with the chat GPT. And we want, we came to bring that to our creative briefing. So in that yeah. case, you don't need. I don't, I had to say you don't need creative strategies. No, you need a hundred percent, but you don't need for every single word. So you don't need copywriter and all stuff, but yeah. that's the, that's a hundred percent when AI can augment and empower the mm. GC production. Yeah. Would it replace that? My point of view. Yeah. The technology that you will truly believe that it's going to be replaced. It is going to be like replacement and creating the different variations. Yeah. Probably we are too early right now. So maybe in yeah. five years ish, because yeah. it's video, it's something like you should still trust. That's number one. Yeah. The another thought that I have here is that what is the creative in many ways? It's a mistake. Mm. We as a human being, we love mistakes. That's yeah. why the best creatives at Cannes and so on, it's something that you never expected and you're just like, whoa, what, yeah. what's going on? I'm yeah, excited. I'm, I didn't expect that. Yeah. That's all about the, us uh, as a human being. So that's yeah. why can AI make uh, mistakes that it's not going to be looking weird as the sixth fi- finger? Yeah. <laughs> that's probably, I'm not going to be wow, it's going to be just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah. So this is, I highly doubt that AI will get there and being Replacing the brain, who is able, creative brain, who is able to produce this yeah. level of mistakes. That's the second one. And emotions in the right way, not just the smiles, but the emotions. And the third yeah. one, takeaway, I think FTC will be stepping into this game. I think what you guys doing at Pencil, it's, it's not going to be regulated that hardly by FTC because yeah. you just generated the content now using yeah. the AI empower and so on. But yeah. if we are saying about UGC, AGC, whatever GC is, is coming there, can you mention like FTC who is oh. stepping in like really hard on the influencer marketing saying yeah. that right now you need to uh, to put uh, hashtags or all platforms are saying paid partnerships, all of this yeah. stuff. But can yeah. you mention that this content is not is going to be produced as the UGC, and yeah. there, but it's not user. It's yeah. a machine who is saying that, yes, you should try this skincare, <laughs> but it's a machine. It's yeah. not a human. Yeah. So I think FTC will be stepping into this game really yeah. hard for the GC, for GC because yeah. then it could be a lot of fraud and misleading things. Yeah, because yeah. you with AGC, sometimes yeah. there is a conversation right now yeah. that's happening on Twitter. With yeah. AGC, people are not users. Yeah. So how you can trust them? With us creators, they're trying these products. Yeah. Moreover, we see the deals and we can sh- we can share that. Sometimes creators say saying, okay, I tried the product, but it doesn't work for my skin. I don't want to pursue this content. Yeah. I you cancel the deal. Yeah. Because they're human. And yeah. so that's why I think regulations will be definitely stepping in yeah. because of the it's what I've been observed on the influencer marketing. Yeah. 
You should talk um, about that, by the way. Yeah. You should, you should talk a more about, I think that's a really interesting one because one thing, not that it's pervasive, but I think a lot of people think that the influencer and creator world is, it's incredibly transactional. Hey, just tell me to talk about this. And by the way, obviously it is like there are creators who just do it and they do what they have to do no matter what. Yeah. But the higher level you get, it really is about efficacy and believing in the product that you're doing. And so the level of creators you're working with, the brands you're working with, I think it's important to remind people just how many times things fall through because people are actually wanting to use their brand and their their name image likeness for good rather than just shilling products. I think that's almost the other, I don't want to say the dark, yeah, the dark side of what people think about this is the same thing when people say, oh, AI, it's, it's evil. It's anything that is good can be evil. It's just who's using it and how. And so you can exactly. really say it all, for instance, there are plenty of, UGC driven ads that have driven people who would never have used a product to choose a product that probably had life-changing effects or some sort of positive ROI in their life almost immediately. And so you can't sit here and say the inverse is also true, probably. And so you can't say that one thing is it's not so black and white. So I think it's, yeah, it's a really important one. And the FTC thing, I hadn't even considered what that was going to be. But now that you think you're saying there's a lot of litigation that will happen. Yeah, no questions about that. And you're in it. I'm not right. So I'm so FTC. Because just... I, I, I observed what is going on with the influencer marketing for years. It's been what is it six years uh, yeah. or so when FTC started pushing social platforms yeah. about having the special tagging that is it sponsored publication yeah. or not. That yeah. even though it's happening organically, right? Yeah. And we saw some lawsuits and all of the stuff yeah. that is happening. So I really highly doubt that. First of all, AI is the thing that. I think government, any government, not only the US, they're afraid as a hell like that. Yeah. Because you can, I don't want to put like that, but you can start something wrong. 100%. <laughs> nationwide 100%. with the, using AI in the, in the right, in their own hands, right? Yeah. So right now they're afraid. That's why a lot of regulation will, will happen at 100% because yeah. crypto, it's not even close to be that dangerous for governmental yeah, yeah. power as yeah. AI could be. Chap GPT makes us feeling that wow, it's a it's definitely a new internet is happening right now. Oh, hundred percent. The funny thing is just going down the crypto road is it's still no matter how much you know you use Coinbase or any of these other kind of platforms, it's still much more difficult to play around with crypto than to get on Chat GPT and change something. Use synesthesia to make faces. You've seen all these deep fakes that people are being able yep. to do with stuff. Like you can, it's a lot more. This is why there's so much conversation about the regulation of this stuff. It's why Hollywood yeah. is having all of these issues. Like the writers are striking because they, they yep. think that stuff is going to go wrong for them in terms of studios trying to use AI to bring down costs, which is yeah, all really interesting stuff. I see some of the strikes because I'm in LA and I feel bad for them. But yeah, I completely agree with you. So we're going to go to anti-rapid fire because I don't ask short, qu short-ended questions. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you ever received? Oh my God, that's the best. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the we ride. All, we, sometimes we forget that, okay, it's uh, yeah. being a startup founder or operator, yes, it, or people mentor. So yeah. sometimes you have a lot of things to uh, ups and downs. People are leaving the team mm -hmm. or so someone is disappointing and all of the mm -hmm. stuff or something is happening, not cool, but you need to ask yourself, are you enjoying the ride? So mm -hmm. is it worth that? Is it, yeah. do you need to keep uh, this pushing? 
So if if the answer immediate answer is yes, I'm enjoying the ride. Maybe I'm disappointed. Maybe I'm stressful, but I'm enjoying that. Then keep going. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's such a good reminder because I think we're always thinking about the future and then also looking at the past saying, what did we do wrong? Not just sitting in the present and saying, you know what, this is great. I could be doing so many other things that are not actually this engaging and this set yeah. is fulfilling. So completely agree with you. Yeah. Okay. It's just so succinct. What? I guess the next big one is if you had, say, 22-year-old founder or someone who's in the game of founding and wants to do this, and you could go back to them and give them one piece of advice or one, one nugget that you wish someone had told you or that you just knew early on, what would that be? Focus market ICP. You need to understand, do you have the market for your idea? Yeah. Like clear market. That's it. Yeah. It's going to be a, that you're going to be competing. Not a saying advertising market is billions of billions. No, yeah. your market. That's number one. The same, mm -hmm. Then clearly understanding who, who's your ICP and nail down there and then focus just to deliver. So we wasted some time where we starting selling not only e-commerce, but also mobile apps and enterprise customers. And we yeah. have L'Oreal and other big brands, but we wasted time there because we're we understood that the product approach and marketplace are not going to be tailored for such big uh, company. And then, yeah, we just wasted a lot of time. So yeah, these three items uh, are really clear for the founders. Yeah. And then people management, the culture or and what kind of the talent that you bring to your team. That's the next yeah. one. It's yeah. not only about founders, so like startup yeah. founders. It's more about related to anyone else who's yeah. operator. People management, your culture, putting everything to your team. Make sure that they're growing in, inside of the team. If they're not, help try to help them to find the next geek yeah. within the organization, outside the organization. Yeah. I think that's where you will get a lot of fun and enjoyable and yeah. you're going to be patient about this space. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Those are my, you're so efficient. Those are my two non, non quick questions. This was a, this was incredible. I learned a lot. I think. It's fun to think about stuff. I talk to people about UGC, or, excuse me, e-commerce so often. I love getting into kind of technology and service solutions with people and showing how you can think about business differently. But so I really appreciate cracking open your head and you spending this time. Where should people reach out to you? Is Twitter the best place or is LinkedIn the best place? Both. I love LinkedIn. Yeah. It's my favorite social network, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Daniel Selikov. Yeah. And, but Twitter, I got yeah. back to Twitter a year ago or so yeah. because of e-commerce community. They told me, uh, your customers are there, your community yeah. is there. Why you are you not there? Yeah. So I was pushed by Jake Schmidt, who is yeah. CEO of uh, Structured. He was yeah. told me like a few times, you should be there. So yeah. I come back, Twitter and LinkedIn, easy to find, Daniel Sodokov. This was incredible. I'm looking forward to doing it again. And yeah, guys, go check out Incense for any of your influencer campaigns. It's incredible platforms. Thanks again.